This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello there, welcome to episode 32 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going back to a hangout from November of 2015 with Chris Taylor, who'll be talking about dreaming of big wins for our church plant. You might remember we brought you Tim Simmons talking about fighting for small wins. This is a companion hangout to that one on big wins. You can find this full hangout, including a Q&A with Chris Taylor and all the notes of what he was talking about at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 32. So here is Chris Taylor, Dreaming of Big Wins. Well, good evening, everyone. It is just uh, brilliant to be able to be with you. I'm not exactly sure where everyone is that I'm speaking to, but it's nighttime in The Hague. And it's dark outside, so sorry the lighting in uh, this room isn't great. But it's just brilliant to be with you. I'm so excited about uh, this kind of context. Anything around church planting is amazing. It just makes me pumped. And uh, anything around dreaming big wins is something that I just get really excited about as well. I think I'm uh, I'm celebrating some little wins, but continually dreaming of uh, bigger wins in church planting. So I, I think it's very fantastic. The the subject, in a sense, is so broad and there's so much we could say about it. I'll uh, speak for a max of uh, 30 minutes, well, 27 minutes now before we go to questions, but it may well be that I stop earlier than that and let you talk, uh, let you ask questions, and then we see how we go up there. But I think um, I'm just going to throw a few ideas at you around dreaming big wins, share some stories, and hopefully it's going to be helpful because the Holy Spirit's going to be speaking to all of us through this conversation. Um, Firstly, dreaming of big wins, let's define what big wins look like, particularly in church planting. And I would say there's only really one big win that uh, we can define as a big win, and that is being obedient to God or being faithful to what he's called us to do. I think that's two ways of saying the same thing. So obedience to God is the big win. The reason why that's so important is that if we define a big win as anything else, we actually lose the heart of what God has called us to do. So if we think of big wins as big success stories, i.e. lots of people saved, lots of people healed, the church just overflowing, and, uh, and those are the things I hope we dream of, But if that becomes our big win, we just get a bit of a skew emphasis uh, because we realize that God does different things with different people at different times in different contexts. And uh, we've been in The Hague now for five and a half years, and we've been blown away by what God has done so far. But I am very aware that people were winning big wins in prayer Uh, for us before we arrived. Other people were planting, other people were sowing, other people were dreaming and praying, but they never got to see exactly what they were praying for. Um, But their kind of success in God is no lesser 
In fact, it could well be greater than our success in God, having seen a lot of fruitfulness since we arrived. So there's just a tendency, particularly when it comes to church planting, but actually any form of Christian leadership, to define success and win around visible fruitfulness. And I think we need to be really careful for that for a number of reasons, some that I've shared already, but also uh, just realizing that fruitfulness belongs to God, obedience belongs to us. And so uh, if we can avoid the pitfalls of comparison with each other, we would do so well uh, of, of valuing people who seem to have be more fruitful as though they've had bigger wins, as though there's something more special about them. So I just thought that's an important way to start because I want to take any pressure off and realize um, I, as I'm thinking about ourselves in Hague, we're in a, a big city with a very multicultural uh, place. It's 50% international, 50% Dutch. There's not that much happening in terms of churches like ours. And therefore, one of the reasons that God has really blessed us is there's just not that much else happening. Had we led, had we led a church in a rural context in a primarily monocultural environment, I think we would be in a very different place to where we are now. So I'm, I'm also just wanting to to constantly put myself through this grid and be saying, God, I want to be faithful to what you've called me to and to what this looks like. The second thing that's related to this is what faith has God given you? So I think God does give different measures of faith and no measure is more valuable than another, but we need to understand there are different measures of faith that God gives us. And so for some people, the measure of faith that God's given you is to go and plant an incredibly impacting church in a village in, a country, in, uh, in the countryside where the impact is going to be astronomical that, that you're dreaming of, but it's going to be a very limited number of people. Realistically, it's not going to grow very quickly because if it did, the whole village would be coming along. Uh, in the space of a couple of months and then you'd run, you know, there'd be no more people to come depending on the context. And so that's brilliant. Another type of measure of faith is going into a big city. And, and again, here there would be different ones. Well, we've got a measure of faith to hit a neighborhood, to hit a people group within the city. We've got a measure of faith to hit the center of the city and impact the whole city. You know, the, I think sometimes we can be unhelpful in how we've talked about church planting in that we define the big win in church planting being city center impacting churches that are for the whole city and, uh, and that impact the city and gather the city. And sometimes brilliant, but if God has not given you as the leader or you as the planter that measure of faith, don't force it. If, if God hasn't given it to you, don't do it. What, what has God given you? So I think it is important to realize what gift has God given me? What, what faith has he given me for? And I would hope all of you are dreaming much bigger than what you think you're capable of. But this, that's two separate things. And, you know, all of us should be dreaming of what we're more than what we're capable of. But we should be dreaming in accordance to the measure of faith that God's given us, always around people impact, always around the gospel spreading, always around the church being built and Christ being glorified. But having a bit of an idea of what type of church God has put on our hearts. 
So I say all those things in terms of introduction, and it may well come back uh, later on in the in the conversation, especially in the questions. But those really have to be foundational truths. So having said that, we'll go on to uh, a couple of things that we've learned along the way around dreaming big, but realize there's a measure of faith that God's given me uh, and the team that I've been working with in Redeemer for the last few years. So, so this, is, this is our story, but the principles will be the same in terms of what context you're working into. So from the beginning, we felt God had called us to be a city-impacting church, coming into a city which the nations gather into and the nations spread out from, with all the, the international court stuff based out of The Hague, with the Dutch government based out of The Hague, with the embassies and the kind of world center of justice based out of The Hague. We came in here with an idea of city-impacting, with an idea of gathering the nations that are in The Hague. And so from the very beginning, even though we were a very small group of people, how we talked and how we prayed and how we thought was around uh, impacting big numbers of people, impacting diverse groups of people, and feeling like that would be best done from the center of the city. So uh, we were really just 20 adults in the start uh, we met in homes most of the time, but while we met in homes, we were not focused primarily on one another. We were focused on the call that God had given us. So, of course, we, you know, a whole massive thing around building great relationships with each other, building great relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And at first, we knew that would just be small numbers. But whenever we prayed, whenever we talked about the church, we were saying, God, impact the city. We were saying, God, do something amazing in this city. Lord, we, we were receiving prophetic words from others. We were bringing prophetic words. We were bringing prophetic words back to God and saying, God, we believe you called us to be a church-planting church. I mean, I, think, I can imagine angels laughing sometimes at our, at our prayers. It's like, we want to be a city-impacting church. We want to be a church-planting church. And the angels are going, man, these guys, it's like, have you seen them? They're just like 20 people, very ordinary people sitting in a lounge. But there's something about dreaming uh, which, is, which is so important to bring right into the core. Sometimes there's a, there's a hesitancy, particularly in Dutch people. I don't know what context you're in. But the, the translation of a phrase, do uh, gewoon, is like, just be normal. Be normal. Don't, like, don't, don't talk about things in a, in, that are not there. Just like curb your enthusiasm. And there's something good about that because we mustn't live in, in silliness. But actually, as church planters, part of our thing is to lift people's vision from where they are now to what could be. So what has God put in your heart? What could be? And make sure that you're speaking that. Make sure that you're praying that. For example, one of the things in this was getting a city center location. We thought there's no place that's owned by the whole city as much as the city center. Now, in some cities that are bigger than ours, maybe there would be some exceptions uh, but our city is not actually that big. It's about a million people all in, and the, the kind of the Hague itself is is five hundred thousand. It's just with the surrounding areas, it's about a million. So it's quite a relatively small city. 
but the center is where the, the government is and where everything else is. And we thought no part of the city is owned by the whole city, like the center of the city. So therefore, that's where we need to plant a church. So although we had very little money, very few people, we were praying. We made a list. We like we want a we want a venue that is central, visible, accessible, knowable. If you say, "Hey, we meet here," people will go, "Oh, I know where that is." Um, and somewhere where there would be parking and space for kids to work. We like we literally had those things written down. Uh, I think the last one was that we wanted somewhere that we could grow. And so from the very beginning, we were praying those things. God, give us a city center venue. God, we want to impact the city. We think the center is brilliant. God, open up a door for us to be there. And, uh, and wonderfully, two years in, uh, God opened up probably the best venue uh, that we could have in the whole city, in the very heart of the city. It's double doors open onto the central square, one of the central squares in the city. It's five minutes walk from Central Station. It's about 300 meters from the government buildings. And within two kilometers of it is the, so the city hall, is um, a whole lot of embassies, is loads of government departments and ministries, all kind of very closely centered around it. And the venue has ended up being one of the central means of God's grace in terms of us growing. So when we moved in three years ago, just over three years ago, when we moved into that building, we were about 70, 80 adults gathering on a Sunday, uh, and we're about 300, uh, about just under 300 adults gathering on a Sunday now. And uh, a lot of that growth, I would say, has simply come because of the grace of God in the building that we're in. And so, so dreaming big from when you're very small involves praying into stuff. Another way that we, another thing that we did, which was I think very important, is that a lot of my initial leadership uh, within the church plant was talking around dreaming, using exactly those kind of phrases. So when we were praying, when we gathered to pray or worship, I would often stop things and say, Guys, what are you dreaming of? What what would be the best thing we could think of to pray for, to ask for? What what just as you imagine Redeemer's future, what are you thinking? Great, let's pray for it. And people would lead out. And you know, sometimes there's wishful thinking and sometimes there's the easy thing. That would never have entered my mind. And I'm not sure I'm really thinking of that. But but most of the stuff, by far the majority of the stuff is just great. And it's it's such an important thing to such a set a culture within the church plant of dreaming for things that we can't see now, dreaming for things that are beyond our capability right now. And so I think a lot of dreaming for big wins happened in those prayer meetings and we really encouraged it. Uh, and then maybe this relates to last week as well something that really helped was celebrating little wins on the way to bigger wins. Just that I think God loves to bless a culture of gratefulness and a culture of celebrating God's grace. And so almost, this still continues now. Almost every meeting uh, that we're in will start off with, guys, what are we celebrating? What is God doing? What, what uh, can we be thankful for? And I think getting that into your DNA just 
God goes, it's kind of like, are you being faithful with the little wins? And if part of faithfulness is definitely thankfulness, if, if we're cultivating a culture of God, thank you so much. Oh, we love this. This is brilliant. So things that we pray for coming back, guys, remember when we prayed for that. It's amazing. This, this family have come along. We've been praying for families. Thank you, God. God, may they stick. But just really being so uh, building thankfulness in and, uh, and reminding people of what we've prayed for, reminding people of what God said and uh, celebrating that together. Another one that I can think of, which is perhaps slightly lateral thinking, but big wins happen as team works really well. So um, when I think of the grace that God has given us as a church, I think of a few things. One is the building. Another is team. Those are probably the two big ones that come straight away. Um, that big wins are, should never be, hopefully, about individuals that are superstars. But as we see team working together, we can see bigger and bigger wins becoming possible because somehow in the sovereignty of God, the sum of, of parts is greater than they would be if you added them up. I'm not sure if that really makes sense, but, but do you know what I mean? There's something supernatural about people coming together as the body of Christ and, and doing great things. It, it gives bigger wins and it's always better to have to celebrate as a, as a team, as a group together, when you just look around and go, that was incredible, man. That was so crazy. That was amazing. That's so much bigger than any one of us could have, could have uh, imagined. And actually, wasn't God so good there? So teamwork, there's so much we can say about teamwork. But, but if many of you are, are in quite early stages, I would just make that a massive prayer thing and a massive focus thing. God, add the right team to us. God, add a brilliant eldership team. God, give us fantastic leaders around the eldership team. Lord, help us to be doing this together. So you build into a team, you build into your key leaders, this culture of, of dreaming big, this culture of doing stuff together, uh, which, is, which is just hugely important. Those were the big things I can I can think of. I'm just trying to think of uh, one or two other ones. I guess we could talk about finances a little bit, and I can give you a current example of things. Dreaming big obviously is not primarily finance related, but for many big dreams, big amounts of finance are definitely needed. And um, sometimes we can look at the resources we currently have and just think, man, I'm not sure big dreams can happen because we don't have enough finances. And particularly as Western Europeans, I guess at least some of you or most of you, all of you I don't know, are, are potentially Western Europeans in this. We can, we can let finances be a massive limiting factor in dreaming big. But I think it, what is so important is to get into your DNA that it is God who provides for us, not people. And, and this, would be the, this would be true for us. Personally, this would be true for us as a church. This is true right across the board as Christians. But if we, if we allow a pattern of thinking, which is we provide for ourselves or people provide, then our focus is going to be on how much people can give. And our prayers are going to be focused around, God, add more wealthy people to the church. God, add 
generous people. And on the positive side, on the negative side, we can begin to beat the people that we've got a little bit because if they don't give, we're not going to win. So there are very important things there in terms of leading people well into to giving. But for our own hearts and for the churches that we lead, our focus needs to be on it's God who provides for us. God can provide in multiple ways. And sure, it seems the primary way that he provides is through the regular sacrificial, joyful giving of people. But, but if we keep our focus in our own hearts and, and in how we lead on a God who provides, then that God's resources are limitless and he can do whatever he wants. And again, thinking of stories and celebrating stories along here really helps in that regard. Like when we, when we had the choice of moving into the building we're currently in, you know, we were, it's a fantastic building. And I was thinking, are we not just a little bit too small? I was, I was slightly worried that we were a flyweight boxer climbing into a heavyweight boxing room and we just weren't quite ready yet. And, and yet I knew that I really wanted to. So I phoned PJ Smythe in Johannesburg. And I said, PJ, you guys have done, gone through some of this stuff. You know, th this building has come available. It's going to cost us big bucks, um, but, but it's incredible. But I'm not sure, you know, it's going to be a big stretch. We don't yet have that kind of money. Uh, but I, uh, um, come on, do we just trust God in this? How does this whole process work? And PJ was brilliant. He said, Chris, Trust God. And you know what? We're going to give you 500 euros a month for the next six months just to help you guys get there a little bit easier. So here was a church in, in Africa saying to a church in Europe, we're going to give you some money so that you can more easily get into that building. So that's been a very helpful story for, for us as a church because like God can provide however he wants. He can use a church in Africa to bless us. He can do all sorts of things. So, you know, we've negotiated, we've got a very good relationship with the people we rent from, but whether it's our offices or our church, we negotiate well. We've got people in the church that are good at that. So God provides through better, better uh, ways of doing things or cheaper rents. God provides through other things, but then also leading people to, to realize that their giving does enable big wins. And um, I think I'll probably finish with this. We, we have seen amazing generosity in people in the church. Uh, we currently, I'll just give you some figures to give you an idea. In May this year, we, we went for a massive kind of what are we expecting God to do uh, in Redeemer? What do we need to therefore prepare for? And what is the impact then on our budgets? So, early part of the year, we were getting sort of 26, 27, uh, 28,000 euros in per month. Um, and then March, April, May, we hit uh, 33,000, 34,000 per month. Well, we kind of grew up to that. I think it was like 20, 28, 31, 33, March, April, May. In May, we then made a budget for what things are going to cost us as we seek to fulfill what God's called us to in this next season. So the budget that we're now operating on is 35,000 a month, which we've been operating on since May. And uh, from the January next year, we'll be on 40,000 a month. So we were setting a budget which was higher than what was coming in, but we were on an up, -skill, up 
increase and we thought this is this is going to work it's god's always provided for us june july august september the average giving went down uh, to about 24000 so we had outgoings of 35000 and we had income of 24000 which which I'm I'm not very good in maths, but I know it's not a great a great thing to happen, and was definitely not sustainable. We had a little bit of buffer, but it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. And we realised as we spent time with Dave Holden, who's apostolically kind of overseeing us, that in the name of not wanting people to feel that they had to give money to be loved by God or to be accepted in the church, uh, in the name of not wanting to be associated with prosperity teaching or with heavy-handed um, uh, traditional thinking around money within the Netherlands, we had actually completely backed off uh, encouraging people to give uh, faithfully, and we'd, we'd really done a bad job. And so actually, as we spoke about it in a meeting about six weeks ago, there was just repentance and even tears as, as an eldership team, we just realized we hadn't done this well at all. Uh, and remarkably, October was was um, off the charts. It's amazing as um, God really turned things around. But I think, uh, I hope, I mean, one month, let's hope it continues and pray it continues. But it really taught me something around a few things. Number one, the importance of, of faithfully leading people in terms of giving. Number two, the importance of keeping people with you in terms of the vision that you're shooting for and realizing they can be a part of what God's doing to do something absolutely amazing. If you're not talking about it, uh, and if you're not talking about the connection between giving and big wins, people are not associating that. You may associate it in your own mind, but if but people don't. They just think, well, this church is doing stuff already and it's all working out. And so uh, we just learned a lot around that. And I think we're still learning. We've got a hang of a lot to learn in every area. Well, we hope you found what Chris had to say inspiring and provocative. If you'd like to get access to the Q&A with Chris that followed this hangout, plus all the notes on everything that Chris was saying, then you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 32. If you visit thebroadcastnetwork.org, you will also get access to our full library of church planting training material, and you can sign up for updates on future hangouts.